What if Nermal was sexually active? Think about it. That's why. That's why she's being shipped to Abu Dhabi. Yeah, because yeah. she keeps getting laid. Wait, is Nermal a no, guy or a boy girl? Or girl? This is the big argument. I believe Nermal is a boy. I think actually. he's a guy. I yeah. Remember, I remember Nick once saying, "I think of you as sort of a normal." <laughs> to me, and I'm like, "Is that is that a negative? Is that a positive?" He's like, "No, it's like Nermal's cute." Normal. That's the whole thing. Is that normal is very cute. I think yeah, normal yeah. was a guy. But the I think thing is, is that if if Nick in this analogy is Garfield, that's not good because he. Hated I know. Nermal. That's the thing. Yeah. See, I, I think I feel like he was giving me like a begrudging compliment, yet also betraying his uh, antipathy towards. I think me. that must be it. Yeah. Uh, I he mean, certainly I think, is Garfield. Like you, you got a real normal vibe. Is yeah. I think normal was Nick a guy. I think that's why Garfield, Garfield felt instinctively competitive to him. Right, why because he was, always... he was he was so cute. He right. called himself the world's right. cutest kitty. Cat. But it was voiced in the in the show by a woman. Yeah, that's true. That's true of a lot of like adolescents, like Bobby Hill, Bobby Hill Bart Simpson. Yeah, yeah. That's why Bobby Hill is better than Bart Simpson because Bart Simpson is a Scientologist. That's true. Oh yeah, that makes me sad every time I think about it. Apparently, she would record. She did. She ads recorded for ads. Scientology is Bart Simpson, and the rest no. of the cast. Got, yeah, the rest yeah. of the cast got very angry at her and told her to stop doing Understandably it. Understandably so. Yeah. yeah, cleanse your thetans, man. Don't have a cow, Zenu. Don't have a cow, IRS. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. We are living in America. Why? Why living are we in America? Why did we come back to this fucking shithole? Well, how how stupid are we, folks? We folks, how stupid are we? We come back to the United States. Do you guys remember when they it were sucks. taking us through Glasgow and they were like? This is the posh area, and it's, yeah. of course, surrounded by broken glass, just right. like everywhere else. Yeah. I, of course, I immediately started zillowing it, and I'm like, we could own this whole city. Yeah. <laughs> we, all just, we all just pooled our, our shit. No, absolutely. We could buy we could a mansion. Buy, yeah, we could buy, like, a fucking Georgian mansion and live there. Yeah. And have natural, natural health care. Drink Buckfast every night. Drink, no, get I shan't be doing that. <laughs> I shan't be doing that. That's hilarious. The, the the difference in my and Will's response to Buckfast, physical response to Buckfast, was hilarious. Dude, oh, yeah. I literally thought I was coming down with the flu. Yeah, I went from yeah, having, you thought you were ill. I, I was thought I was sick. I went from having like full body chills. <laughs> I just like, felt cute and fun, was, and yeah, everyone was, was fucking, my friend. I was and, full body yeah. chills, like and then I got back to my hotel room, and I was like we, pouring we sweat. Yeah, and I was like, holy fuck! Like I have the flu. I'm gonna have to travel tomorrow. This is a disaster. And then I just went to bed for a couple hours and got up and was like, oh, I'm okay. All right. Yeah, no, I felt like Popeye eating the spinach. Yeah. That stuff was vitifying. I should have just kept drinking it. I think that I was think my you got yeah, through. should have drank through it. Yeah, I should have drank more of it. Yeah, just punch through. Well, friends, we, our European sojourn is over. Tragically. Tragically over. We're Especially back. since you don't get any more live shows, which I know is going <laughs> to bum you all out. <laughs> we are back in America ready to confront the challenges and problems that face uh, this fair nation of ours. It's me, Matt, and Amber here. Uh, Virgil is back. Felix still missing in action. I think, you know. He, he, might, he made the smart play. I think he's moving. I, I think, think he's I just going to stay there. Yeah. He's been disappeared from the Geneva airport or something <laughs> from getting it, like, screaming. At, you know, he got in a physical altercation over jewel pods. Yeah. And he's been rendered. Yeah, he was rendered to a black site in uh, Azerbaijan for raising his voice in public in Switzerland. <laughs> which is the worst crime possible. 
He littered. Dude, he's got, he got more littering crimes. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He should have an ASBO. They should bring back antisocial behavior orders just for fucking Felix. Just well, in public, he just sees with resentment that he has to be in society. Well, uh, we're back in town, back here in Brooklyn. And you know what? We, you know, I'm raring to go because, you know, the problems of the world did not stop. And by the world, I mean America just did not stop <laughs> just because we were uh, away from it and blissfully, you know, sort of unplugged from all it, of it. It's true. It just, I just had this, like, total lack of connection to any of the memes, any of the, the bad takes. And even when I saw one, it was almost peripheral, and I just couldn't get head up about it. I know, I and I sort of got within 24 hours of being back. I woke up in the morning, still on Eurotime at, like, 7 in the morning, 7 a.m., got out of bed, started doing the posts, and I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm back. Well, I, <laughs> I can't post yet because I jumped in the Mediterranean with my phone, <laughs> and it died, and it's the only thing I had uh, Twitter logged on, and I forgot my password. So I have wow. to, yeah, so I need wow. to get my phone. I got a new phone, but I have to get a new replacement SIM card, well, you know I guess. What? Let no one ever, you know, accuse you of not being a big time party animal. You have <laughs> never you just, logged you off. You just cannonball and you're like, oh shit, I got my phone, wallet. You no, know, just the phone. Just Rolex watch. The thing is, I had these fucking swim trunks on, but they're those very seductive ones that have like a pocket, like a flat pocket. Ah. Those are bad. Why yeah, would you ever have seductive. that? What do you need to put in your pocket when you're in the fucking water? That's stupid. Gold coins, yeah, you, you just, just doubloons that you've you scavenged just, from a pirate. Blaming the shorts. The thing is, is that I'm on a real brain losing streak for like the past two months. I've just been nothing but just Homer Simpson level boneheaded move after boneheaded move. I really need a win, or I'm just going to check myself into like a dementia ward and just eat pudding until my brain dissolves. <laughs> well, let's, let's get you there. Let's bring you back, Matt. Because I yeah, I need to at least have a take for the love of God. Yeah, so let's. I think I think you know we've been away for a while, but let's let's jump right back in to U.S. domestic politics. Just the other day, uh, our president Donald Trump announced his re-election campaign in or sunny Orlando, Florida, to a stadium full of you know hooting jackals uh, by basically promising to quote round up millions of people and put them in his definitely not concentration camps just camps where certain populations are concentrated (laughs) together with a lack of adequate resources to sort of i don't know deny them due process or any kind of human rights or dignity but definitely not concentration camps i will get to that i want to get to trump in a little bit and especially this new iran war shit which is i mean we talked about it with hassan just a couple weeks ago when we were in la it's gotten even fucking dumber since then but before we get there, let's fucking let's do this 2020 Dem primary shit, because I know it's like still a long way out. But you know what, folks? Like it's simmering. It's heating up. We got the debates coming up next we're gonna, week. Next week. Yep. We're, we're going to be covering that. Uh, we're going to do the Twitch stream for that. Yes. We'll be doing live commentary on the Twitch stream. So I think I'm doing that. So you could you could see me. It's a rare, rare amber appearance. <laughs> it's, it's a rare. I'm not going to say anything. It usually, I got, I brought back a bottle of Buckfast. And I'm just going to drink that. <laughs> during the- well, if you drink a bottle of Buckfast on the stream, you will be saying something by the end of it. Watching these goddamn <laughs> debates. Yes, usually representations of amber are haram, yeah. but we're breaking that rule just this time for the debates. But I want to begin with, like I said, Democratic 2020 contenders, and let's start with Joseph P. Biden. Rob R. R. No, Joseph P. Biden. Okay. Just like Joseph P. Kennedy. I don't know. I'm making, I'm making it up, folks. 
It's Robinette. Robinette. His How do you middle not, name you, is you can't Robinette. Make a funnier joke than his real middle name. Joseph, Joseph Robin, like the pop star Biden. Yeah, that's what he's named after. Okay. Now here's the thing about Joe Biden. He's cool. I, I think I think a case can be made. That his brain is almost as gelatinous as Donald Trump's is at this point. Yeah, no, Absolutely. he is his, like he's clearly prion riddled. There's his no rambling, just putting headed answers to shit. Like he's doing almost no public events. He's only speaking in front of you know the fucking you know millionaires club in New York or whatever. Yeah. But I, I think we should start there, and I want I want to begin now with uh, some comments he made at the uh, the New York uh, Billionaires Society. This is um, uh, from Bloomberg by Jennifer Epstein. Biden tells elite donors he doesn't want to, quote, demonize the rich. I mean, why would you demonize, like, actual demons? Nah, if you call a demon by its name, it's, you know, yeah, they yeah. lose their power. Yeah, they spin around in a circle and zip back into hell. You can't have that. So let's, let's hear what former Vice President Joe Biden had to say to Baphomet and um, various others at the New York's Carlisle Hotel. So it says here, he told the affluent donors Tuesday that he wanted their support perhaps unlike some other Democratic presidential candidates, won't be making them political targets because of their wealth. Quote, remember, I got in trouble with some people on my team on the Democratic side because I said, you know, what I've found is rich people are just as patriotic as poor people. Not a joke. I mean, we may not want to demonize anyone who's made money, Biden told about 100 well-dressed donors at the Carlisle Hotel on New York's Upper East Side, where the hors d'oeuvres included lobster, chicken sante, and crudités. I always like when they give you a little flavor about what the spread is like yeah. in events like this. I, that is honestly all I actually care about. So oh, I'm yeah. glad they tell me. Like, like you know, a snack. A lobster, that seems like it, but like, you know, crudite, that's like the most basic. Why do you that's end with... That's just yeah. a word for vegetables, yeah, right? If you're going to list three, why would you end with crudite? I like lobster, chicken saute, good, but like crudite, come you, on. Where's, where's, where's that little like the... The the wagyu beef wagyu beef slider wagyu beef slider mm -hmm. or no just like the roast beef on those little crackers a little horseradish oh, uh, yeah. dressing yeah mm -hmm. little, pop those in mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. maybe some tuna you know some something you like that. you gotta have some sort of hamachi some sort of yes exactly mm -hmm. or or uh, yeah but whatever these carpaccio much but come on these mm -hmm. come on these people may be rich but they're fucking pigs they're cheapskates they got yeah. no, they well, have no that, class no, that, where are the thing devils is, on horseback no, the whole thing where... about uh, about political uh, dinners is the joke is like you're paying ten grand for a plate and it's just they call it the rubber chicken circuit for a reason they skimp on the actual food you're just there to you know make a deal for your fucking oil pipeline or child zoo or whatever <laughs> you're trying to get built so he goes truth of the matter is you all know you all know in your gut what has to be done Biden said. I, I oh, said, what, okay. like, what, what do these people in this audience know in their gut has to be <laughs> yeah, done? That is a terrifying thought. Yeah. I, I do like, however, that Biden is clearly not listening to his steam team and going totally off script. And he's going to do that this entire time. And I really look forward to it. Well, we're going we're gonna to get to him going off script. This, is, another this is liquor before beer Biden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like he's every time he's run for president before he's eaten complete shit. <laughs> well, he goes on to say. We can disagree in the margins, but the truth of the matter is it's all within our wheelhouse and nobody has to be punished. No one's standard of living would change. Nothing would fundamentally change, he said. Read that again. Nothing would fundamentally change. This is, I guess, I mean, this, I guess, sums up both the appeal and the um, horror of Joe Biden potentially being uh, the Democratic nominee. Yeah. No one is at fault. sailing, because what could possibly happen? You know what? I mean, like, I, I, like, it's insane to me that this would be your message in 2020. Yeah. But, like, at the same time, like, you, you know, it's hard for me to, like, you know, gainsay, like, what the him just saying, nobody's to blame. 
There are no enemies. Nothing will fundamentally change other than Donald Trump won't be president anymore. And I got to say, that may be a very attractive message to a lot of people out yeah. there. I fucking hope not. But I think if he said back to normal, which is what he meant to say, he could reel in some people. But nothing will change implies that at this very moment, we are going to continue <laughs> yeah. indefinitely. Well, listen, it says former Clinton. Return to normalcy. It was good enough for Warren G. Harding. Former Clinton Treasury Secretary Robert Rubin and former Deputy Treasury Secretary Roger Altman uh, were among the attendees at the event. Invoking Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders' goal of a political, quote, revolution, Biden suggested that he would be the antidote by making marginal changes that would improve the lives of working and middle class Americans without slapping onerous taxes on the rich. When you have income inequality as large as we have in the United States today, it brews and ferments political discord and basic revolution, he said. Oh, he's up on that brewing and fermentation. <laughs> he's having an IPA. <laughs> Uh, also, perhaps hinting at President Donald Trump, he continued, it allows demagogues to step in and blame what's wrong in voters' lives on the other. See, the thing is, it says this is hinting at Donald Trump. He's also hinting at Bernie Sanders. Of course, yes. Because when he said, you're not the other, Biden <laughs> told the assembled group, which included former Treasury Secretary Robert fucking Rubin, <laughs> one of five people on earth probably most individually responsible for the financial crash yeah. that 80% of this country has still not actually recovered from. Mm -hmm. You're not the other, Biden told the assembled group, most of whom were wearing suits. I need you very badly. <laughs> I need Damn. you. I Biden says to nation's billionaires, you up? <laughs> <laughs> Biden has the Drake horny watch, and he's like, I long for your nipple in my mouth. <laughs> Congratulations to the Toronto Those billionaire Raptors, pussies be popping. Uh, okay, so like you, 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 I read you that like how it was quoted in Bloomberg, though. But I want to read just the unedited comments of the, this is just like, this is unedited. Like this is Joe Biden's closing statement at this like you know huge fundraising dinner, fundraising dinner at the Carlisle on the Upper East Side. Just listen to this and try to tell me his brain is not working with Trump level powers. <laughs> By the way, you know, remember I got in trouble with some of the people on my team on the Democratic side because I said, you know what I found is rich people are just as patriotic as poor people. Not a joke. I mean, we may not want to demonize anybody who has made money. The truth of the matter is, you all, you all know, you all know in your gut what has to be done. We can disagree in the margins, but the truth of the matter is, it's within all our wheelhouse and nobody has to be punished. No one's standard of living will change. Nothing would fundamentally change. Because no one's standard of living would change. <laughs> because when... Tough luck. Maybe next century. If you're down there, you're staying down there. If you're up there, you're staying up there. Because... When we have income equality as large as we have in the United States today, it brews and ferments political discord and basic revolution. Not a joke. Not a joke. I'm not inaudible revolution, but not a, but not a joke. <laughs> it allows demagogues to step in and say the reason where we are is because of the other. The other. You're not the other. I need you very badly. I hope if I win the nomination, I won't let you down. I promise you. I have a bad reputation. I always say what I mean. The problem is sometimes I say all that I mean. See, I, I still can't get over the fact that he's, they clearly cut him off and he's just like, bruise and ferments. <laughs> uh, so, Rich, frothy lather. Yeah. So, Amber, you mentioned about, you know, Joe being cut off and I'm just imagining he's got like a, you know, a full staff of people um, just like, just, just like hand shooing him away him from, at, like, the, while, yeah, from behind from the, the booth, room. Yeah. All right. Um, another thing he, uh, he mentioned that's uh, pure Joe Biden and I'm, you know, sure should play well. 
Joseph R. Biden Jr. defending himself on Tuesday night against suggest this is from the New York Times um, on Tuesday night against suggestions that he is quote too old fashioned for today's Democratic Party invoked two Southern segregationist senators <laughs> by name as he fondly recalled the civility of the Senate in the 1970s That's and 80s. The touch. Speaking at a fundraiser at the Carlisle Hotel, Mr. Biden, 76, stressed the need to be able to reach consensus under our system and cast his decades in the Senate as a time of relative comedy. His remarks come as some in the party say that Mr. Biden is too focused on overtures to the right as he seeks the Democratic presidential nomination. At the event, Mr. Biden noted that he served with the late senators James O. Eastland of Mississippi and Herman Talmadge of Georgia, both Democrats who were staunch opponents of desegregation. Mr. Eastland was the powerful chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee when Mr. Biden entered the chamber in 1973. Entered the 36th chamber. <laughs> I was in a caucus with James O. Eastland, Mr. Biden said, slipping briefly into a southern accent. <laughs> According to a He's like sipping a sarsaparilla. <laughs> Uh, I do declare. Where, wait a minute. He, he went off stage to put on a seersucker suit? What's <laughs> happening here? He's fanning himself with a Panama hat? <laughs> this Biden is wilted. <laughs> According to a pool report from the fundraiser, he said, quote, he never called me boy. He always called me son. <laughs> Does he know who they call uh, boy? Yeah. Does he know what that is referring to? Yeah. He's a white man. That wouldn't be in the cards. I don't know. You know Um. what? He doesn't know what's going on. (laughs) Uh, I I looked this up, and the guy, James O. Eastland, there are some unbelievable (laughs) quotes from this guy about, you know, uh, I can't even read it on the show, but I'll just say they include the phrases inferior race. Uh, the right of any white man to uh, kill by gun, bow and arrow, rock, or, or knife um, anyone who threatens white supremacy. So, bow and arrow? Yeah. 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 We, he would be canceled nowadays, to say the least. Yeah. He called Mr. Talmadge one of the meanest guys I ever knew. You know, go down all the list of these guys. Well, guess what, Mr. Biden continued? At least there was some civility. We got <laughs> things done. We didn't agree. What things? We didn't agree. Please name a thing. You got done with the psycho segregationists. We didn't agree on much of anything. We got things done. We got it finished. I guess he means segregation, but certainly we not. Got it finished. <laughs> he goes, but today you look at the other side, and you're the enemy, not the opposition. The enemy. We don't talk to each other anymore. <laughs> and then uh, th- this just just cool. just came in, um, just like right before I got here, and it says here. This is from CNN. Biden had been previously warned by advisors not to use Eastland as an example of someone he could work with. He's despite, going off script. He shoots from the hip. Despite many sharp disagreements, two, two people familiar with the matter said Wednesday, he needs to use a new, less problematic example. One person close to Biden told CNN. He also has to accept when everyone tells him that no one is burning toasts. <laughs> we don't know what he's talking about. There's no one burning toast around him. So like, here's the thing about Biden. It just seems to me like he, like he said, it's just going to Joe being Joe the whole time. And he knows that he has the support of basically all of the upper echelons of the Democratic Party apparatus. You know, he's their guy. He's promising what they want to hear to the donors and everything, which is, again, no one will be punished. There are no enemies. Yep. You're all good with us. 
Nothing will fundamentally change. Yep. Most importantly, not your quality of life. You won't have to stop buying yachts or certainly not swimming and you know pools. You won't have to release any of your slaves. You <laughs> the child zoo will remain open. Yes, the standard of the children in the child zoo will remain the same. Yes, they will be high quality, well fed. Yeah. They will be well fed and well taken <laughs> well, care of. Course. They will have good child habitats <laughs> that are natural for them. Yes. they won't just be in cages. No, they'll I mean be free the, the, illegal, the illegal immigrant ones. They'll be in well, cages course, for yes. sure. But, but the, the child zoo, they'll the, be able to run around. Have a nice, have a pool. Well, you can't let the meat can't get stringy. Is the thing that's <laughs> right. what happens when they're so, too tightly encased. I just, like I said before, before I leave Biden, I just like uh, Nando found these two clips of when Biden, I guess, was um, more lucid than he is now. This is when he was still sharp, and I just really want to play um, Joe Biden on raves because he's got a he, folks, he's got a problem with them. So this is a. Uh, Joe Biden. I would be passing new ordinances relating to stiff criminal penalties for anyone who held a rave. The promoter, the guy who owned the building. I would put the son of a gun in jail. (laughs) I would change the law. There's no doubt about where these raves are. In the middle of the desert. Arrest the promoter. Find a rationale unrelated to drugs. Keeping an unsafe, for example... I'm the guy who authored the crack house legislation. We can use the crack house legislation to tear down these buildings. These buildings in the desert. He he wants to see a perp walk with a guy holding glow sticks and a cat in the hat hat. Like, that's what he wants more yeah, than anything. Mug shots with guys with pacifiers. In their mouth. Wait, just one, one more clip of Joe Biden talking about, about raves. Cameron, in rare cases, under the law that exists federally, you can literally bulldoze down their business. I'm looking forward to the first time I see it happen. Great big bulldozer, Jessica. Bulldoze it down. Literally. Not figurative. Doesn't he know those warehouses are the last vestiges of American manufacturing left in I'm this country? That he got like he got denied entry to a club somewhere. That's the only thing they could explain. He got turned away level. from Bergen. Yeah, he got turned a, away from Bergen. How can just you like have this did. much vi- just vituperative hatred for just a bunch of people like staring at their hands while listening to to drum and bass? Not I don't only that, this. Uh, Virgil reminded me of this. Like in addition, like in that clip, you hear Joe Biden say. I authored the crack house legislation. We, I made it illegal for the police to just raise <laughs> buildings with people inside of them if they're selling drugs. No, in addition to all of Joe Biden's other horrendous, you know, hyper acceleration of the war on drugs, even past what Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush wanted to do. So, at, you know, after crack uh, ceased to be, you know, a, a terror for middle class families in America, a few kids died of ecstasy overdoses. And, you know, Joe was back at it with this rave bullshit. And Virgil actually reminded me that part of one of these rave acts that he passed, and again, you heard his own voice. He said, charge the promoters. Make up something unrelated to drugs. Just charge them. (laughs) (laughs) Throw pacifiers on the ground. Well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Doesn't this guy not realize that if funky beats are outlawed, only outlaws will have funky beats? (laughs) (laughs) Here's how anti-funky beats this rave act that Joe Biden had his fucking filthy fingers in was that if you ran a party in which you did any harm mitigation to deal with it. Right, someone yeah, who maybe yeah. uh, OD or like testing or, or testing make sure it's or, or yeah, make yeah. sure it's, it's it's not poison or whatever that then you would be held liable for the selling of drugs 
in that thing, and you would be they would throw the fucking book at you. Yeah. You could get hit with like you know just fucking, the smartest possible approach. Yeah, to drug exactly. Policy. Like anything that might per- actually prevent people from ODing on drugs, which is what you know all these you know fucking middle class parents. If are you also put them in jail, of. no one will do them anymore. That's just how it works. We know that by now. Yeah, that's Joe Biden, and I just like to point this out though. I bring up the the rave stuff again. Thanks to Nando for uh, sourcing these. It just in stark contrast to. Our girl Marianne. Yes. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, she wakes up every day, goes to a sober rave. Doesn't yeah. need drugs, but she is pro funky she right. She's high on and life. Orbs. The orbs are pulsating positive energy. Joe Biden is like, if Joe Biden sees an orb, he's like, bulldoze it. Yeah. Shoot he's it immediately. Basically, imagine it like uh, like Marianne is in her in her sober rave. That's like sort of Smurf Village, and Biden is Gargamel. Just trying to destroy all the pleasant fun that all of the communally Mind, community-minded Smurfs are having. Just, I guess my last thought on, on Joseph R. Robinette Biden, again, it's like early. It seems like he's leading some polls. I mean, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? Like I said, I, I have to, must exit from making confident predictions about anything that's yeah. going to happen. But it is so hard for me. Like he, This guy has been on the wrong side of, of, every liter- of literally thing. every issue yeah. that matters to every single <laughs> constituency that makes up the Democratic primary voting electorate yeah. it is it's just it's inconceivable testing, to me cutting cutting entitlements war on drugs mass incarceration war in iraq uh, everything i mean the only thing he's got going for him is that we put it on stage when we were on dublin that pathetic friendship bracelet with barack obama where he's just like hey i'm i'm your, the guy you like i'm friends with him i'm bb i'm bffs and I don't know. I mean, like, I guess if you if you want to take this guy down, I mean, go at fucking Obama's record too. Mm. I mean, uh, I, I mean, I it's hard for me to say. What, either the thing is, uh, yeah, is that, I, it's hard for me. That's to, the thing about primary Democratic primary voters is that they love Obama. They it's love just him. it's it's. Well, I wrote an article about you this did, that Amber. had a handy dandy list of things to go after Joe Biden for. So check the baffler dot com for that. Um, it's pretty easy. He's disgusting. And if that doesn't work, let's just keep like sliding him drinks. Just keep buying him drinks. Just, that's the thing. He's going like, to shoot from the hip. He will only keep fucking up. That's the, really the best sort of thing to keep. We just need heart. to encourage him. Yeah. Is that, like, is they that, don't know what they're doing, Joe. You know what you're doing. Exactly. Wing he, it, buddy. I believe in you. He's, he's paying people to look him in the eye and say, don't mention arch segregationists in a positive light. And he's like, gotcha. <laughs> James O'Eastland was <laughs> at my daughter's wedding, and I love him more than anything. I mean, we talked about how he gave fucking Strom, Thule- Strom Thurmond's eulogy yeah. at his fucking funeral. Yeah. Dude, he's going to be start talking about how hot George Wallace's wife was. Yeah. <laughs> Lurleen, folks, folks, if you saw Lurleen Wallace, <laughs> yeah. oh my God, she could stop a clock. She had gams for days, <laughs> folks. No joke. No joke. Would, jo- would Uncle Joe joke to you? So I want to there's only one true Uncle Joe. <laughs> well, unfortunately, he's not walking through that door, Amber. <laughs> he's not walking through that door, Amber. You know, we, we gotta deal with what we have. Than ever. <laughs> and what we have is I looked at moving on now from Where Biden. have you gone, Joseph Jugashville? <laughs> <laughs> so moving on from, from Joe, uh, let's talk about another the, the other Democratic candidate who is quite honestly heating up. And, I mean, she's rising in the polls, and she's beginning to look more and more like a serious challenger, and that is Elizabeth Warren. And i got to talk about Liz Warren, because I feel like we've said this on the show, or we've been hinting at this. I know, Matt, you've, you've been on this tip oh, for yeah. a while now, but I think like, it really needs to come to the fore now that Elizabeth Warren, for whatever admirable qualities you may see in her personally, or her campaign, 
or any of the policies or plans that she is so you know eloquently championing. Uh, it has to be said that you know th- she is a massive dork. Well, it's not that she's a dork, but like, okay, no, I re- I really think, and I'm standing by this. She is a dork, and that is incredibly important. Like, if you think that her policies are more likely to appeal to people than Bernie's, I disagree. But that's one thing. But fundamentally, she is a terrible, terrible candidate. She blinks, she flinches every time. She cannot win. I have no idea why she's still running. It is deeply embarrassing to watch. Well, she's, I mean, she's running because she's coming on pretty strong in all these polls. Yeah, blip. I think uh, it's a blip. Okay, well, okay. I, we're of, two, we're of two, two minds about this on Chapo. I am of the, we got to watch out for Biden because that, uh, that drunk is, has been, you know, blessed with luck somehow. Um, and then other people are more worried about Warren. See, I, don't, I don't think anyone who doesn't own a Prius gives a I don't, shit about but the Elizabeth thing is, I don't think that that's mutually exclusive. I think the, 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 like, I don't think that it's more likely that Warren's going to get the nomination than Bernie. She's going to deny Bernie the nomination, and then Biden gets it. So they're both you possibly, concerned for Okay, so, I, I agree with that. I, I do want to point out that uh, Biden is notoriously a teetotaler. He does not drink at all. Okay, well, I don't believe it. Okay, great. I don't believe it. Who else doesn't? Donald, Donald, Donald Trump. Trump, yeah. But Donald Trump has, like, never drank, right? I think Biden's the same. No you know, way. He had, a, he, had a, he had a drunk dad. One huh? of the classic Irish dry drunks because his dad was a drunk. Oh, uh, so okay. Like Joseph P. Kennedy, also a teetotaler. Yeah. Okay. It didn't sound from sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, a correction, update. Joe Biden, not an alcoholic. Uh, Fine. <laughs> he just seems that. Okay, so back to Warren. Like, okay, I, I'll, you'll see where I'm getting with this, but, like, if you... Are on the fence, maybe, and listening to the show about Warren versus Sanders. Uh, what are what are we to make of this article that came out in Politico today? Headline: Warren emerges as potential compromise nominee. Centrists who once said the senator would lead the party to ruin are coming around her as an alternative to Bernie Sanders. The article begins: There was a time not so long ago when leading Democrats warned that Elizabeth Warren's quote fantasy-based blue state populism risked leading the party to ruin. But in a revealing tell of how far her campaign has come since its early February launch, some unlikely voices in the center of the party are growing more comfortable with the idea of Warren as the nominee. It's a sign of how the ideological lanes of the 2020 primary have blurred and overlapped and of the steady progress Warren is making as a candidate. But it's also a statement on Bernie Sanders, Warren's top rival for progressive votes. Sanders continues to face significant resistance from within the party and nowhere more so than among the moderates and establishment players who blanch at his talk of democratic socialism. Warren, on the other hand, is gaining traction among those who once rejected her muscular vision of liberalism. She's drawn notice for her wide-ranging I have a plan for that policy playbook, which has just enough growth and opportunity center-left measures to earn her a serious look from her former detractors. The Massachusetts senator may be out of sync with party centrists, but she's drawn at least one sharp line with Sanders that is resonating with prominent moderate voices as she surges into the top tier in national and early state polls. Quote, One is a democratic capitalist narrative, said Matt Bennett, a co-founder of Third Way, a centrist think tank that convened a conference party, a conference of party insiders in South Carolina this week designed to warn about the risks of a nominee whose views are out of the political mainstream. The quote, the other is a socialist narrative. Third Way, which isn't backing a candidate, famously torpedoed Warren in a widely read 2013 op-ed that exposed the party's ideological fissures on entitlements. 
quote, nothing would be more disastrous for Democrats than to adhere to Warren's brand of economic populism, wrote two of the think tank's leaders in a piece that drew condemnation from Progressive. Today, however, Third Third Way is learning to live with Warren even as it embarks on a mission to ensure the Democratic nominee doesn't stray too far to the left. I do not think, though, they think that she is a contender either. Well, that's the thing is that 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 some people have – because Bernie criticized – Bernie pointed us on Twitter, probably not him. One of his staff members obviously said – like, oh, this is showing that, you know, the establishment is really only threatened by me. And people were saying, no, Bernie, this is a trap. They're, they're, they don't really support Warren. They're just saying they do in order to set you against each other. And I, I say to that, how is that better? How does that make Warren's candidacy anything other than a fucking spoiler? I mean, that's right. like best case scenario. They're being cynical here and they don't actually support her, but they want to use her to fuck with Bernie. Yeah. Worst case scenario, they generally have sort of. They're saying, uh, "Yeah, we, we'd be okay with this, knowing very well that she wouldn't." Well, right. I mean, but, but but because they know what the dynamic is, they know the dynamic means Biden wins no matter what. But honestly, they honestly could be uh, reconciled to Warren, and I think one of the reasons it might make them think that is because even though she's got a plan for everything, the one thing she doesn't have a plan for is health care. When asked about Medicare for all, she suddenly turns into this sort of. Uh, this person who has never even thought of the idea before and is welcome to any answer from anyone. She hasn't put any thought into it. She doesn't have an incredibly detailed plan. She says, well, maybe we raise this cap. Maybe we lower that cap. Maybe the employers pay more. Maybe they pay less. We'll figure it out. It was all of a sudden, all the specificity thing. and granular policy shit goes out the window when it comes to one issue that directly challenges a key constituency of the Democratic elite. Here's what I'll say. like The, the idea that she's a a spoiler. I mean, that was the argument made against Bernie Sanders running against Hillary Clinton. So I'm saying, well, Warren- a two-person race. You can't spoil that. <laughs> okay. The people don't know what spoiler means. A spoiler is somebody who comes in in a two-person race the thing on to a deny car. one of the other people the candidacy. <laughs> if there's two people running, one of them, if they can't, you can't. Spo- if he'd beaten Hillary, he wouldn't have spoiled okay. it for Hillary. He would have the nomination. He wouldn't I, have given the, I, the thing to. Okay, I, I, I would just, just though, stay away from like the spoiler narrative merely because I think people resent being treated as if they don't have a choice. Yeah. I just think there's a very small number of people for whom Elizabeth Warren is appealing. And I think the, you know, all the third way pot project or whatever is, is very aware of that. Um, and they get to support her knowing that she won't win, but it makes them look more reasonable. Also, so people have to get around the idea that they can't both win. No, there's one president. There's going to be one. Can wet nominate. There's going to be one. There's going to be one. Like, oh, I like them both. Well, tough shit. Make yeah. a fucking pick. Get off the yeah. fucking pot. Make, make a pick, and I'm, I'm going to get. I'm going to get to you know what you alluded to, Matt. Like you can read this two way, one of two ways. But I'm going to just keep going on here. Jim Kessler, one of the authors of the 2013 piece warning that Warren would lead the party off the populist cliff, raved about the senator's performance last weekend at the Black Economic Alliance Candidate Forum in South Carolina. Elizabeth Warren kills it at Black Econ Alliance Candidate Forum. Love her entrepreneurship fund, (laughs) the Third Way co-founder tweeted Saturday. I don't agree with Medicare for all. I mean, neither does Warren, apparently. I don't agree with free college, but her consumer protection policies are great. I think she has a good infrastructure plan. Consumer protection. What a bitch out. 
I think she has a good infrastructure plan, said self-described moderate Democrat Reagan Gray, a healthcare policy and politi- political consultant attending the Third Way Conference. I absolutely know and believe people are taking a second look at her. She now seems to be getting herself away from the Bernie Sanders grouping. People are taking a second look at her and saying, hmm, some of her policies are good. Maybe she isn't like Bernie. Skipping ahead. I think there was a perception, and I'm not saying that's accurate, but that she would only be able to speak to liberal parts of the country, Jen Paskey, who served as White House communications director in the Obama administration, said. But skeptics now increasingly view Warren as the alternative to Bernie Sanders on the progressive wing of the party, and also someone, when you listen to her policies, they're palatable to people who wouldn't have thought they were palatable to them. Going on here, what Warren has tapped into is that most Democrats, it's not about ideology or liberalism, it's about the economy's out of balance. Nibbling around the edges and offering stale, old Democratic ideas of raising the minimum wage and shoring up Medicare and Social Security are just insufficient to dealing with the scale and scope of the problems we're facing in our country, said Dan Gerstein, who worked as a speechwriter on the presidential and vice presidential campaigns of former Connecticut Senator Joe Lieberman. (laughs) But she's doing it in a way that doesn't necessarily demonize business, but talks about the bad actors in capitalism. And again, very much differentiating herself from from Bernie, the bad actors in capitalism. If capitalism was a movie, it would be the fucking room, okay? (laughs) They're all bad actors. (laughs) She's doing it in a way that doesn't suggest she's a socialist or she wants to kind of blow up the economy, he said. For the Democratic establishment and many moderates, that's code for Sanders, the one candidate they cannot abide as the nominee. Like many centrists, Bennett, the third-way co-founder, views Sanders as destined to lose against Trump. But Warren is a different story. We really like the idea of using the government to rectify market failure. And that's what she's about, Bennett said. We don't agree on everything. It is what she's about. But she's fundamentally rowing in the same direction. That is literally, she said this over and over again. Like, And that she said that's why that she left the Republican Party. She said it, it wasn't actually serving the markets. They're correct. So to echo what Matt said, you can look at this one of two ways. If you are someone who supports Warren or is on the fence maybe about Warren versus Sanders, you can view this as all of these people are cynically lying about how much they like her and about how much they've come around on her because they're hedging their bets against the the fact that Joe Biden may, you know, hug a Ku Klux Klan member on stage (laughs) at some time in the near future or brag about how many people he's personally sent to jail. So if that's the case, you have to ask yourself, well, why are they lying? Right, exactly. Why are they hedging their bets in this way? And why have they decided that Warren is palatable to them now? Yeah. And if that's the case, then it's just, okay, what if they're telling the truth? Well, then, if that's the case, that they're telling the truth about her, and this accurately represents what they believe and what she, what she stands for, is that what you want? Yeah. Is that what you really want? Mm-hmm. Someone that these ghouls think is acceptable? If you are on the fence, like I said, about Warren or Sanders, I think you have to really ask yourself what the opportunity here is and what your duty is as someone of conscience. Do you want someone who's palatable or who can compromise with the third way wing of the Democratic Party? Or do you want someone who is their literal nightmare? Hmm. Someone who they cannot abide. Someone who is persona non grata to every think tank and lobbyist in D.C.? I think you need to take seriously what that question really means. And going further, yes, Warren is very good at her. I have a plan for that. Other than Medicare for all, she seems to have a lot of plans for everything. Not all of them are bad. Some of them I think are actually pretty good. 
the wealth tax, for instance, universal child care, I think is actually better than free college for a lot of reasons. But here's the thing. What is more important and more predictable than any plan that is outlaid or even or laid out or any, any of her plans about how to implement her plans, which is what people will always also bring up if you bring this up, what is, more, what is a better indicator is not the plans you say you're going to enact, but who is your enemy mm-hmm. and who hates you and who has hated you for a long time. Well, and who you represent. Yeah. I, I don't think Warren really has any constituency at all. She likes to talk sort of vaguely about families or whatever, but fundamentally she's kind of a technocratic regulator. I'd love to see her regulating finance. I think she'd be good at that. Uh, but fundamentally, she's never really been committed to a base or to people. She doesn't like it when things are out of order, when there's clutter, when there's disarray, uh, when, when things don't uh, seem to be very balanced. That's her big enemy. I mean, I think she has a base, but it's essentially media people. And the problem is, is that they do have an outsized influence, even if their numbers are pretty small. Because I feel like she is the choice for people who want to appear to be, uh, a, the people who want to appear to be in some way leftist, in some way disenchanted with the, the status quo, but just can't or make progressive the, is yeah, the word. Exactly. Yeah, can't yeah. make the move. She's the fucking way station. She's the pick. And so a lot of people gravitated to her. Some of them earnestly. Because at the end of the day, they're just not socialists, and so they are uncomfortable going that far. And some cynically, because they want to say, oh, you bros like Bernie, but here's someone who's actually to his left that you're not supporting, but she's a woman. Interesting. And they're literally just doing it out of a cynical desire to fight that war alone. Most of them are cynics. Uh, yes. yes. And you have to... I don't, I, I, I don't believe there are that many like true Warren stands, especially because... I remember when they were trying to draft her the first time around, and I attended a draft Warren thing, and I wrote a big fucking thing about it. You can read it in Salon. And honestly, it was a very lukewarm. Half the people I talked to there were just like... Wait, Amber, they haven't scrubbed you from the Salon archives by now? Yeah, no. (laughs) I'm still out there. It's called Fear and Loathing on the Champagne Trail, and I drank all the free booze I could find. Well, here's the thing. Be ve- Again, we've told you this before, but be very wary of anyone who tells you that there's no meaningful difference between Warren and Sanders, because there is. And also, be doubly wary of anyone who tells you that Warren is actually to Bernie's left, yeah. because they are 100% playing you for a sucker. Yes. They are telling you that I think you're an idiot and can tell you anything because I have contempt for you. This is very well laid out. And again... Just make what you will of that Politico piece. But again, I think you have to ask yourself, what is it about Warren and her campaign that is palatable either from a strategic standpoint or from an ideological standpoint to people who run the Democratic Party? She's really good at one thing. She is hyper-focused on finance, banking, regulation. We're going to need someone like that. She's very economically literate, but fundamentally she's... Oh. She's a she's a left wing Republican. Well, yeah, actually, that's the last thing I want to say about Elizabeth Warren is, again, I admire a lot of what she stands for and a lot of things she said. But you have to ask yourself, why was she a Republican up until the like the late 90s? That is fucked up. Did, I mean, like Reagan, when she was an adult during yeah. the Reagan and yeah. George H.W. Bush administration. What about those presidential administrations appealed to her yeah. morally or politically? Right. And mm-hmm. what took her so long to come around? Yeah. What was, it, it was, it, what was it again, about the I think Contras her, that she her, found so inspiring? Well, I think her answer to that question is that they fucked up the economy. <laughs> yeah. Through deregulation. She likes order. Yeah. 
they fucked up capitalism for the for the rest of us. And again, it's not the bad actors. It's all one really shitty movie. Okay, how about our current president? Woo! How about that guy? We love, love talking about he's him. He's still around, right? We oh, still, man. Uh, he's still still uh, here. It, uh, it's such a weird feeling amazing. not being directly connected to him for that near month. Because I do feel like I live in his brain when I'm here. Like, I literally am a trapped in his wet, fucking soggy, Mac, Big Mac-filled brain. And then to be out of it and to just sort of like sort of have it was like having a phantom limb. Like he would say something and I wouldn't hear it, but I would feel like a tingle or something. And then I, and it was very odd. Like, you know, like it just I'll get a I'll get a little like, yeah. like an itch in the base of my yeah. neck or something. And then I'll be like, oh, Trump said that the moon is part of Mars. Yeah. Oh, OK, cool. <laughs> is, is, that's real. This that is, was, I'm like, this is a funny TV damn, show. That was yeah. cool. But now I'm back here. And, you know, of course, you know, the, as Hunter S. Thompson would say, the meat hook realities yes. intrude on us all. And as I said at the beginning of the show, he just kicked off his re-election campaign by, uh, like I said, promising to round up um, millions of people. We'll see how that turns out. Nobody involved in Homeland Security says they have any fucking idea about what this plan is yeah. whatsoever. But again, I got to say, fucking bone chilling to see a president in a stadium full of people just riling them up by promising to, again, round up minority populations Put them in, again, not concentration camps, and deport them in an orderly fashion. I think it's funny that you libs. Uh, concentration is fine when it's orange juice, but all of a sudden when it's people, <laughs> you got a problem. Okay, uh, well, hypocrite much? Well, let's talk about the concentration camp thing, because over the last few days, we have been so subject to another mind-numbing debate of the highest stupidity about something that is actually ghastly and morally abominable, but it seems like the only way we can actually not confront the horrors of the world we live in is to have the most pedantic and idiotic semantic debate about what is or isn't a concentration camp. Well, that's the camp. thing. It's like everyone kind of has an implicit understanding that we're not going to do anything about any of this. It's just going to keep happening. Maybe we'll vote for somebody else and then they might put a stop to it, but nobody's going to directly interfere with this process, this rounding up, this, this, this creation of... The separation of, of families yeah. and putting people in... It's very in. hard, too, from, right. like a, from like an activist perspective because it's all very covert yeah. it's hard to get i mean like there's literally armed guards and shit around right. these things it's incredibly difficult to yeah even think Conceive of a way of to, to disrupt it, it. and yeah. so what we can do is have arguments about the semantics of yes. that. i mean but you can read i mean all this information is out there again it's very hard to report on but there has been very good reporting done on the conditions in these privately run concentration They're camps, not good which include things that are called by both the people detained in them and the guards using them quote the dog pound and the ice box. The ice box are basically air conditioned cages where they keep it at about 40 degrees with no mattresses, 50, 60 people in one of these at a time, freezing cold, uh, you, your lips blister, you shiver, you get to near hypothermic conditions. We know for a fact children as young as four months old have been separated from their families, from mothers, taken from their arms and put elsewhere. We know children have just disappeared and been literally sold to American families who have, do- have adopted them without the consent of their biological parents. The uh, we know Argentinian that, junta love doing that, by the we way. We know uh, children have died in U.S. custody of mm-hmm. easily preventable illnesses and just lack of medical treatment. So again, what do you call it when you take a, co- a population of people that um, you'd like to get rid of, 
put them together behind bars in a cage with purposely inadequate resources to, I don't know, deter them from ever trying to do it again or be alive in the first place. Hmm. I wish there was a word to describe that. But, of course, uh, AOC and others have said these are concentration camps and have faced a huge backlash for pointing out the obvious from, coincidentally, Liz Cheney, whose own father and family are fucking war criminals on par with, let's just say, other people. I mean, the thing is, I am like a a pedant about this stuff and I hate it when people sort of like overstate or exaggerate how bad things are because it completely throws things up. But like, there's just... That is the definition. Yeah. There's literally we, nothing. There's yeah. nothing to argue. Right. The the like Merriam-Webster dictionary fucking yeah. definition. This is, and if we can't call it that, at least, then what the fuck? And I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. Chris stuff. Hayes the other night was just like, listen, <sighs> I know concentration camp is a very loaded term, and a lot of people, you know, he did a trope, right? It's the tropes again. And, you know, he got one or two people saying you're doing a trope and he backed down immediately and said, let's just call them detention centers. Oh, okay. Well, let's just concede the entire debate then. And then well, surely we can no. talk about the conditions no. in them. Because the cynical, t- the cynical people Grow who are manipulating anti-Semitism to get you to stop talking about it, they'll accept that and, 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 and c- commend you for your re- reasonability and then operate from that premise. They're not going to keep moving the goalposts. And this whole idea that like... And oh, he knows. Yeah, of he course he does. He has to know that's he what it is. He fucking knows. That's what they are. Obviously. To her credit, AOC has not backed down an inch Good. on the concentration camp thing. She has continued to describe them as just that and even responded to, I think, one of the heads of ICE who made some unbelievable statement about how... The kids have fucking, you know, video games or they love it being there. And what she said was basically, if I was, you know, in charge of a secret network of concentration camps, I probably wouldn't tell people what goes on there, goes on there either. Yeah. Or wouldn't want them being referred to as exactly what they are. Um, and again, like this, this whole thing about, she also said never again. And again, you, that's a trope. You get hit with a fucking, For you know, fuck's sake. with just a wave of these, I'm sorry, sclerotic legacy Jewish organizations in American life who zealously guard the Holocaust as their thing. And I'm sorry for them to say never again. What they really mean is never again for us and fuck everyone else. Of course. Because here's the thing about America. We're taught about World War II and the Holocaust in such a fucking, in in such a very specific, and I don't know about you guys, but I was taught taught about it rigorously. You know, like I was, you know, at a very young age learning about the Holocaust. And here's the thing. I think it's done in such a way that Americans can only really recognize fascism when it's Auschwitz. Yeah. And like anything, anything before that is not fascism or to make a comparison to the Holocaust is in bad taste or whatever. But the thing is, I didn't, I I don't think I learned about, um, well, no, I learned about it from like TV or history channel or PBS or something, but I, I didn't hear about like, uh, Japanese, uh, concentration camps in America until college. Yeah. Uh, that as well. But the, like, the point is that the final solution was the final solution because there was a shitload of other solutions that, that led up to it. End, yeah. And it was a path that was paved at every single point with things like, you know, removing the rights of certain groups of people, painting them as less than human, concentrating them in, you know, neighborhoods and then camps, ex- deporting them from Germany and other countries to other places in transition and concentration camps. So whenever I think about this, I always think about what Norman Finkelstein said about this, about this 
the idea about invoking the Holocaust. And he wrote a very good book called The Holocaust Industry about just this. Finkelstein's, both of his parents were actual Holocaust survivors. They were left-wing Jews. Both of them were in Nazi death camps. Unlike the vast majority of the American Jewish You're population. About the epigenetic memories, though. Right. And what he said is what his mom always told him about comparisons to the Holocaust and that this idea that you should never make the comparison because the Holocaust is such a singular event of evil in human history. It's transhistorical, yeah. Which I actually have to, have to say I kind of agree with. However, what he said is what his mother said is no. Always make the comparison. Always make the comparison because like, when you see injustice of the same kinds that are happening and the dehumanization of people that happens step by step and little by little, you have to make the comparison because guess what? This is a process and it leads somewhere. Yes. And that's somewhere, I'm sorry, that's the end goal. And if you don't think that there are like, a lot of these people... There, we have texts and emails from among ICE and Border Patrol agents and the people who are guards in these prisons um, talking about them in the terms that would fit right at home in, let's say, Mouse. Yeah. No, when you look at what these guys are saying in these texts, if they got an order that said, hey, new protocol, uh, we're putting all of them into the, uh, in the showers that have uh, gas in them, they'd do it. I mean, without a question. And about a third of the country would probably be totally fine with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, I mean, I, like, I, I think Ambrew's right. Like, you know, you, you have to be careful about making these kind of weighted historical analogies. But you also can't be too fucking gun-shy about it, especially when the people who are telling you not to state what is right. right in front of your eyes are doing it for such genuinely abominable and cynical reasons. And also, again, literally dictionary definition. <laughs> The, it was the British Empire who did it the first time yeah. in the Boer War, and that's exactly what the concentrate populations within a larger group. Yeah. And they, and they were kept, again, in conditions that were dehumanizing and purposefully under-resourced, understaffed, and you know, would just cause people to die of things like disease or, let's say, hypothermia, as several children have already fucking done in one of these, again, privately run concentration camps that are, you know festooning this country at the moment well i i think that the the distinction that they always want to emphasize is well the people who uh are were in these concentration camps that were real concentration camps they didn't do anything wrong they were oh, just right. citizens oh, okay. right whereas right, the other right, ones right. crossed an invisible line in the desert so right. to, to avoid get a job to avoid so being murdered job. or starving to death yeah. due to conditions created basically entirely by basically the united by states American foreign policy, trade policy and, yeah. uh, energy policy oh and here's the other thing um i'm sorry like when they did uh, strip citizenship from German Jews. Guess what? It was a law. They yeah. passed. It was legal. Yeah. yeah. So the Jews did something wrong by virtue of German law, the same way these people have now become criminals by, again, like I said, crossing an invisible line in the desert to get a fucking job. Yeah. I mean, what, I mean here, here's another example. A jury in Arizona has just been hung. They couldn't convict an activist who was being prosecuted and facing decades in prison for leaving water and food in the desert for people crossing the border. Mm -hmm. Literally yeah. doing what the text of the, Bible, the New Testament commands you to do. Yes. Uh, and it was, I believe it was 8-4 for acquittal, which is encouraging. Uh, and that, honestly, I think that that's a pretty reflective number for the population. It's like this bone chilling is all this is. It is important to remember that we are basically being held hostage due to our sclerotic, idiotic... Yes. Uh, uh, governmental institutions by a 
absolutely galvanized maniacal minority. Uh, and that but, means that we have the numbers to over overthrow them. Yeah, but I think what these people are realizing, you know, when it comes to this, like, now that they have all the power, I think what they're coming to realize is they don't necessarily need people. Yeah. They don't necessarily need a mass of support or even anything Yeah, it's approaching. almost like we don't have a particularly democratic uh, body politic. Yeah. Like, you know, down the line for, like, the social or economic vision that these people are through the courts and gerrymandering going to impose on the rest of us, guess well, what? No, if, if, if we they keep- don't really need... Any kind of popular will or consent. To if do politics it. stays the way it is now, if 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 we if the if the if the received order that we keep being insisted upon is immutable, is not challenged in any significant way, then they will continue to rule unchallenged. As Joe Biden said, you have to build bridges to these people, yep. and nothing will nothing fundamentally, will fundamentally change. change. And here's and again, I think Amber, you're right about this. I think the response to that is, oh no, things will fundamentally change yes maybe not for the people in the hotel carlisle yeah but guess what if you if you're if you're if your fucking solution is to reach out and keep things basically the way they are now guess what things are going to fundamentally change and it's going to be pretty fucking bad there is a trajectory things are moving nothing holds still it's going to go one direction or the other here's another uh sorry to you know keep being really cheery now that i'm back in america but the other, the other major thing that's happening, you know, in the White House and in the world right now that I've been paying close attention to is the absolutely absurd and lunatic effort to start another fucking war with Iran. It's happening right now in front of all of our eyes in the most fucking Keystone Cops way imaginable. Like I said, we talked about this with Hassan, and since then, there's been another one of these oil tanker attacks where they're literally trying to tell you that a Norwegian and Japanese boat getting fucking mined or whatever is worthy going to war over. Yeah. They're on record basically saying that we just need another main to happen. So, you know, yeah. well, that's the thing is that they, 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 something happened. Maybe it was a false flag. I wouldn't rule out Saudis, honestly, or even the U S intelligence, or maybe it was like a rogue element within the IRGC that wanted to undermine the moderates and charge Iran. Who knows? Either way, you're not going to get it with, uh, with Norwegian and Japanese boats. But now they're talking about sending the U.S. military as a uh, sort of protective convoy for oil. Mm. Wait, wait, hold on a second. That, that reminds me of something. Uh, yeah. That reminds me. There was sort of an incident. Yeah. There was an, it was a gulf of was, some there kind. There was a different gulf. It was a different yeah. gulf, but hmm. Yeah. Here, okay, here's what's really frightening. Okay, sorry. This is coming from Andrew Feinberg, who's a White House, breakfast media White House reporter. Breakfast Media, Jesus Christ. He breakfast said, Media? Yeah, I'd never heard of that organization. But, but the said, Breakfast Media. He said, <laughs> I asked Donald Trump why Americans should trust his administration's pronouncements on Iran. He had absolutely nothing to say, and it was unclear if he understood what I was asking. I just want to read this. Why should Americans trust your administration to tell the truth about what's going on with Iran? If we go to war, why should we believe you if you say, what, say why? Trump. Well, we have Iran. And we've been talking to various people on lots of different sides. And we'll see what happens with Iran. We're very well set. We're very well configured. We have lots of things going on with Iran. I spoke with President Xi this morning of China. We'll be meeting at the G20, and I think that it is working out pretty much as I anticipated it would. China very much wants to discuss the future, and so do we. So the relationship with President Xi is a very good one. We had a long talk this morning. (laughs) What are these? Is it just dementia, like... It's genuinely shocking. He has totally checked out of this. And not only that, just the other day, he completely undermined 
the Hawks and his administration by saying what happened in right off the coast of Oman was quote a very minor incident. Yeah, here's he's honestly ter- the only thing honestly standing in the way of. Here's what's war. really terrifying though. Here's what's really terrifying. He is completely checked out, and Bolton and Pompeo are running this fucking war agenda completely out of oh, the loop yeah. of not just the president, but probably the Joint Chiefs of Staff, too. Oh, definitely. They're, the acting Secretary of Defense just basically resigned because his fucking son hit his wife with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah. There's nobody... I mean, in anything, in, in normal circumstances, I would say the fact that there's nobody in charge and no one knows in charge of America's imperial death machine, I, I think would normally be like an okay thing, but here's the thing. It's Bolton and Pompeo have their hands at the wheels right now, and they're driving us straight into a military confrontation with Iran. The president, Trump has no fucking clue what's going on. He doesn't give a shit. And as we, I'm sorry, as we said again when this was happening back a couple of weeks ago when we talked with Hassan, here's what's really terrifying to me about this. Is on the one hand, if you compare the rollout of this war to the Iraq war, it is laughable. They're, the Iran hawks are truly not sending their best. Nobody is buying this fucking oil tanker bullshit. Not even our allies. Maybe some, the British Tories are, but they're the most cucked people in the universe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, like they'll 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 say and do anything for fuck if America says it. Well, especially with the Brexit ongoing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Germany has been like, hold up a minute. Like there are, there are no serious allies buying this. The fucking the owner of the Japanese company that owns these oil tankers is, has issued a statement saying it is not what completely declaiming everything the president and the administration has been saying about this. Um, nobody buys it. Even the media. Again, there's a sense of they're going through the motions. They're repeating what the Pentagon has to say. But again, it's a very surreal and lackadaisical when you compare it to what the rollout to the Iraq war was like, which is, again, one of the most terrifying, monolithic, and just a leviathan of, from every sector of government, media, our allies, etc. It was terrifying. This is laughable, and it is a sign of how deeply exhausted the U.S. empire is at this point. Yes. But that is why it's so terrifying. Well, exactly, because you think, well, there's so much less effort, there's so much less of an effective propaganda front being put out, and that is good to see, I guess, but also it makes you think, well, maybe they know that we don't need to bother that much, that nobody really is invested. There, there's no public anymore. You know, There's nobody to mm-hmm. convince. There's no consent to manufacture. Everything's sort of on, we- on rails, so you don't even really need to do more than just gesture towards public opinion, and then you just do what you're going to do anyway with your volunteer military that isn't going to affect most people's lives no matter what happens, and then you just let the chips fall where they may. I mean, and, and if you're one of these guys who's like a fucking deep, deep state uh, scumbag like Bolton, it's like you're not going to get fired or you're not going to lose an election over it. You know, you're going to still be scurrying around the house of power for the rest of your life with your fucking mustache. So go for it. Uh, so and I don't know yet what, whether that's true or not. I mean, honestly, yeah, Trump and his his laziness and, and disco- disconnection from the nuts and bolts of his administration is scary. But also, it means that like a project like invading Iran, that's a lot of work. But it could also just happen, and they'll just fucking find like here's what they're arguing that like oh Iran is about to enrich uranium again. They're going to violate the terms of the treaty that we unilaterally pulled out of and destroyed. Right. They're trying that to hold working. Iran accountable for not adhering to the terms of a treaty that we uni- unilaterally abrogated against the you know uh, wishes of every other signatory to that deal. Yeah, Felix tried to say it on Pod Save. I'll say it again now. If I could 
give Iran a full suite of first and second strike nuclear missiles, I would fucking do it in a second. <laughs> Just unveil it tomorrow and be like, sorry, guys. Sorry, off. war's off. Yeah, yeah no not going to happen. All you that thing that you're worried about stop happening to happen, uh, it happened. Yeah. It's, don't, it's done. The deal's yeah. sealed. No more. Yeah. And it's just if I have to hear from any more of these fucking people, fucking Eli Lake or these Noah Rothman or any of these other these fucking worms talk about Iran's destabilizing the Middle East. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> what the fuck were you doing the last 20 years? Well, no, don't you understand? Iran has tampering with Iraqi politics ever oh, since right. 2003, <laughs> which is just an arbitrary date that isn't connected to any American <laughs> Totally actions. unrelated. Uh, so, well, so, so you the mentioned... The thing is, though, it, like, this is an issue, too, of efficiency. I, I would pedal back here a little bit. I don't think that there's, like, mass complacency about America's indefensible, never-ending foreign wars. But if you look at, say, like, Vietnam... You had a huge number of actual people in the service objecting to it and being like, this is disgusting, and a ton of people were court-martialed. Now, everything is just done with fucking video games. Yeah. So it's not even like we would have a foot in the door. I don't think people feel generally positively about the fact that we're bombing no. like eight countries. It's just like, what are you going to do? It's done with Everything is done now with so few people that it requires literally no public approval whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, and I, I would say, no, I agree with you. I, mean, I think like the public opinion on going to war with Iran is probably dog shit low. I mean, at least as compared to public opinion in favor of going to war with Iraq. Yeah. I think most people fucking don't. Not even, I think most Trump voters don't even fucking want oh, to go to sure. war with no, Iran. They've all decided yeah. that they're anti-interventionists now. After fucking pouring French wine down the toilet and running over Dixie Chicks albums, the fucking steamroller, <laughs> now they're all fucking peaceniks. Okay, uh, but, you know, but they do honestly think that. But the thing about it is, is that What's going to be what is that because of that, because of that native, that sort of in, uh, that sort of generalized post Iraq wariness, right, about another war or at least another ground invasion? Bombing is different. We'll do that anywhere. Uh, but like, in, and, and Trump embodied that in the debates. Remember when fucking pundits said that he was doomed after he yelled at Jeb for George W. Bush's invasion of Iraq and then he was just cruised mm -hmm. uh re showing that people kind of were even if they weren't ever going to admit they were wrong because we don't do that in this country they knew it would have been a mistake uh so i think that that sent it that mindset is there in trump he has like a just sort of a vague knowledge that this is probably a bad idea but i'm telling you the real issue will be one yeah they force their hand with some sort of staged incident that he just it's like they can't do that i can't look us. weak or whatever or yeah. or honestly a year from now He's running for election and his numbers look bad because I think so. Yeah, because the thing is, is that no, I, I, that, I think that's very plausible because the thing is, is that it's been shown, I think, pretty conclusively that that whole wag the dog idea that people do wars for politically, for the most part, it doesn't actually work that way. But guys like Trump think it's they think it works that way. <laughs> and he's president of the fucking United States. Oh, my God. Well, OK, Matt, your question of like, you know, let's say even without any like planning or something like they get what they want. Like what's going to happen? Well, here's maybe just, you know, an indication of things to come. I was uh, tweeting about this earlier this week, but I'd like to share it with you guys now. Are you familiar with something called the millennium challenge 2002? Yes. We talked about this. Yeah. I'd like to just dip back into this because again, this sh should be, you know, that machine from Kafka's in the penal colony, <laughs> mm -hmm. this Wikipedia article should be tattooed onto the flesh of every one of these fucking 
doughy worms who are slithering around fucking trying to gin up fucking another war with Iran. They want us to confront Iran or put pressure on them. Or, you know, uh, Brett Stevens in the pages of the New York Times called it if Iran, the pirate nation. We should sink their navy. Okay, Brett. Arr. Okay, Brett. Let's see how that'll go. I mean, you know, oh, yeah, we'll sink their navy. Oh, America's. We got the biggest military in the world. Listen to this. The Millennium Challenge 2002 was a major war game exercise conducted by the United States Armed Forces in mid-2002. The exercise, which ran from July 24th to August 15th and cost $250 million, involved both live exercises and computer simulation. MCO2 was meant to test the... Of, was meant to be a test of future military transformation, a transformation toward new technologies that enable network-centric warfare and provide more effective command and control of current and future weaponry and taxes. tactics. The simulated combatants were the United States, referred to as blue, and an unknown Middle Eastern adversary called red, with many lines of evidence pointing at Iran being the red side. Mr. Moran. <laughs> red... Commanded by retired Marine Corps Lieutenant General Paul K. Van Ripper, I swear to God. <laughs> Damn. Adapted an asymmetric strategy, in particular using old methods to evade Blue's sophisticated electronic surveillance network. Van Ripper used motorcycle messengers to transmit orders to frontline troops and World War II-style light signals to launch airplanes without radio communications. Jesus. Red received an ultimatum from Blue, essentially a surrender document demanding a response within 24 hours. Thus warned of Blue's approach, Red used a fleet of small boats to determine the position of Blue's fleet by the second day of the exercise. In a preemptive strike, Red launched a massive salvo of cruise missiles that overwhelmed the Blue's forces' electronic sensors and destroyed 16 warships. This included one aircraft carrier, 10 cruisers, and five of six amphibious ships. An equivalent success in a real conflict would have resulted in the deaths of over 20,000 service personnel. Soon after the cruise missile offensive, another significant portion of Blue's Navy was sunk by an armada of small red boats, which carried out both conventional and suicide attacks that capitalized on Blue's inability to detect them as well as expected. At this point, the exercise was suspended. Blue's ships were refloated, and the rules of engagement were changed. This was later justified by General Peter Pace as follows. You kill me in the first day, and I sit here the next 13 days doing nothing, or you put me back to life, and you get 13 days more worth more of experiment out of me. I like Which that is it's a better like, way to do it. I like that it's like volleyball, where there's like a mercy rule, where yeah. it's just like, okay, well, we're going to end this, and then we're going to come back. Check this out. After the reset, both sides were ordered to follow predetermined plans of action. After the war game was restarted, its participants were forced to follow a script drafted to ensure a blue force victory. Among other rules imposed by the script, Red Force was ordered to turn their anti-aircraft radar on in order for them to be destroyed and was not allowed to shoot down any of the aircraft bringing blue force <laughs> troops ashore. Van Ripper also claimed that exercise officials denied him the opportunity to use his own tactics and ideas against Blue Force and that they also ordered Red Force not to use certain weapon systems against Blue Force and even ordered the location of Red Force units to be revealed. There you have it, folks. In America's war game against Iran, we got so mad we threw the controller across the room and demanded that we restart from the save point. Look, it'll be fine as long as we can establish ghoul. Uh, the war in Iran will go fine. No, uh, I've heard people say that the Millennium Challenge gets overrated because the guy, Van Ripper did a lot of like 
creative shit that would not actually be realistic even yeah, for clearly a, a he's a big dick guy yeah no uh, he's van like, ripper the, the iranians wouldn't have wouldn't do some of the stuff that he did anyway like even if they could for other reasons but it is still true that the united states has not would not has not faced a a military the size of iran's since i guess maybe maybe korea korean war maybe korea and since then, every war they fought against a lesser enemy, for the most part, they fucking lost. Except for the first war in Iraq and, like, the invasions of Panama and Granada. Uh, they've gotten their asses kicked in Afghanistan and in, and in Iraq uh, after they took it over. Here's another rub to it. Again, if you want to poo-poo and just say, oh, like, you can't read too much into the Millennium Challenge. Iran has now, you know, for leaving Millennium Challenge aside or how they would handle the U.S. Navy and the Persian Gulf, they have now had... 15 plus years experience basically beta testing a fucking counterinsurgency warfare against a, the US military and their armored vehicles in any kind of urban environment. Yeah, they <laughs> had a little petri dish over there in Iraq. They've they tested out all them. the shit. They know what works, <laughs> they know what doesn't. And you think the shit that they gave the like the Shia militias yeah. over there to just have some fun with? Yeah, I, that, was <laughs> that was probably not the best that, that they was, were. That was the swag. Yeah, they, they, they got that that loud ass <laughs> pack. They're wait, you know, they were just waiting for the United States to do something as, I, and I'm being hundred percent serious here, as catastrophically suicidal as starting a war with Iran. And you know what, Amber, you mentioned during the Vietnam War how many um, again, and this is like almost totally forgotten, but how many U.S. troops turned against it in uniform and either were court-martialed, went to jail, yeah. fragged their officers, deserted, you know, did not re- return for future tours of duty, uh, went to Canada, became part of the anti-war movement here in America. I'm not someone who thinks that, like, if you wear a uniform of any country, you're automatically a right-wing psycho or you are an enemy of, you know, by very nature, an enemy of the left. However, if you are in the U.S. military... And something like this happens. I'm you, like you. Ha- you must desert. You must be court-martialed. You must not. You take can't part go in this. to Iran, dude. You must you not take go part to in Iran. this. Don't do it. So, what do you think? And I'm sorry. And I, you know, because at the end of the day, in any co- military conflict between Iran on one side and the United States, Israel, and Saudi Arabia on the others, <laughs> it's Iran all the way. Yeah. And I'm going to be yeah. openly rooting for our oh, swift yeah. defeat. That's the best case scenario. Yes. And I have to be 100% clear here. I would vastly, vastly prefer that nothing of the sort even come close to happening. Of course. Oh, God. It's going to be a nightmare. Because it would be for, a mostly fucking for nightmare for, yeah, for millions and millions of people in Iran. But again, if you think it'll, it'll be a fucking happy ending for this country, uh, just look what Iraq did. Yeah. Okay? And again, to be clear, the Americans are mostly not going to be the people suffering in this. However, I don't think we should expect our enemies to be any more or less merciful to us than we have been to them or any, any more indifferent to our suffering or more or less indifferent to our suffering yeah. than we have been to millions of people across the Middle East. So want to end it there, folks? Yeah. It's fun. fun. Glad to be back in America. Yeah, I love being back in the United I love, States. Love being back here. I love my country. I love love to be Yankee scum. Oh wait, yeah. okay. Actually, you know what? Let's end on a happy note. Democracy, blue jeans. Today is Juneteenth. Yes, Woo. I think we should mark mark that as a genuine holiday that marks one of the greatest moments of liberation in human history. Yeah, yeah. We, we did that shit. We could do that shit again. Yeah, right. I think so. It was yeah. It was a moment of emancipation and liberation that is nearly unparalleled in human history, and uh, it should be recorded. And you know there are good things that have happened in the past and can happen again. 
Absolutely. 100%. So, and again, uh, you know, Europe, if you want to give us visas, or I, you know, <laughs> cool. like That's Ireland, cool. like you, can, if, you, if, you, I, yeah. if I can find a grandparents or something like that. One more 23 and me, you could probably get a, yeah. a passport. I'm going, I'm, I'm going to marry someone. You can marry someone? I'm going to marry someone. You, you, got, you got some Myers in the fire. I, I got, yeah, <laughs> I got a few. I got a few. I got some offers. Oh, fuck, I got nothing. <laughs> God damn it. Well, no, student visa, something like that. I don't yeah, know. you go to grad school. Is there an entertainment clause you could be, or something? You could be uh, the only uh, like uh, Civil War scholar at the University of Glasgow or something. Apparently, Germans really love the Civil War. They love reenacting it. But mostly you could do your August Bullets thing. But mostly it's the Confederacy. Oh, okay. There are interesting <laughs> reasons that we probably don't want to get into. We're not going to look into it. Well, you could do your August Bullets research in your archives. I could pretend to learn. I mean, it. is there something in the Irish Constitution that says if you sell out Liberty Hall, you can become an Irish citizen? <laughs> See, that seems like it should. Be it in seems there. like it should be in there. I mean, I will be looking into it. <laughs> yep. So um, until next time, uh, I will be off next week. I'll be visiting the battleground state of Wisconsin. Hope to do some reporting. Crucial Waukesha County. Uh, if I can, I will be calling into the debate Twitch streams, and if necessary, I will call in and keep you guys in full content. But um, if not, you know, the gang will hold it down in my absence. But all I got to say is living in America. Oh, ow. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.